Hi everyone, I'm Shani. I'm a second year student studying chemistry and design. And for our Bible reading today, we will be reading from Mark 7, verses 1 to 23, the NIV version. You can follow along in your own Bibles, but it is printed in the handout. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as as the washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbett, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of the person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing enters a person from outside that can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Well, it's nearly seven years now since uh, the great Christopher Hitchens died. I don't know if you ever read anything by, uh, by Hitchens, but he was a tremendous writer. He was funny, uh, he was scathing, he was brilliant, he was articulate, usually all at the same time. And uh, if you haven't read anything by him, then you really should. He's a fascinating man, uh, complex, full of contradictions, uh, a rationalist who at the same time was more or less an orthodox Freudian, um, a left-wing journalist, a self-described Marxist who came to side with the neoconservatives after September 11, a full-throttle atheist who had a number of close friendships with conservative Christians. And no matter sort of where you find yourself, if you read Hitchens, you'll find lots of stuff that you love and lots of stuff that you loathe. And in 2007 just three years before he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, he published a book called God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. 
Uh, and the title kind of gives it away. He's not pro-religion. Uh, he's quite anti-religion. Uh, a proud atheist. But I think if we're honest, there's something to Hitchens' criticism. People aren't making it up out of thin air when they say that religious people are arrogant or that religious people are hypocrites. They're the common sort of complaints against religious people and, if we're honest, very often they're true. In fact, I reckon that Jesus agrees with Hitchens that far from making us clean before God, religion poisons everything. Come and have a look with me at uh, chapter 7 of Mark, verse 1. In this passage, Jesus meets some very religious people. Verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. See, the Pharisees, they are... Uh, if, you've, if you've sort of grown up in Sunday school, you think of them as the bad guys. You know, they come on the stage and everyone should go, boo. But actually, they're kind of the conservative, Bible-believing, religious guys. They were fanatical about keeping God's commands and about trying to get other people to do the same. When it comes to keeping God's commands, it turns out that there's quite a lot of them. If you read the Old Testament, and I reckon if you claim to be an educated person, you've got to do that. Well, you discover that in there with all their history and the wisdom literature, there's an awful lot of commands. In fact, the rabbis would later go on to add them up uh, and came to 613 commands, 365 negative ones, are 248 positive ones. And quite a lot of those rules are about what's clean and what's unclean. Now, when we hear clean and unclean, we're probably thinking about dirt and germs and that kind of stuff. But this is not what that's about. It's going to be another 1,800 years after Jesus before anyone discovers germs. No, this is about being defiled to use Mark's word. It's about being ceremonially unclean. See, according to the Old Testament, there were all sorts of things that were clean or unclean and things that could make you clean or unclean. So animals that chew the cud and have a split hoof like a cow, well, they're not only delicious, you're allowed to eat them. They're clean. It's the same with fish. But lots of other sea creatures are not clean. So oysters are not clean. Any other shellfish is not clean. Any kind of fish without scales is unclean. You can't eat them, otherwise you become unclean as well. Any bird of prey is unclean. And touching any dead animal or dead human, well, that makes you unclean too. Having a skin disease, menstruating, having sex, giving birth, they all make you unclean. 
Now, this is not about being dirty. This is about sort of feeling dirty, being unclean before God. It's a little bit hard for us to understand, I think, because our culture, largely because of Christianity, has lost that sense of clean and unclean, of ritual cleanliness. But if you're familiar with other religions, then you know that that comes up elsewhere. Uh, You'll know that uh, if you're a Hindu, you might go and wash in the river Ganges. And it's not about being physically clean, it's about being spiritually clean. If you're a Muslim, then before you pray, you go through your ritual washings. You wash out your nostrils and your hands up to the wrist and your feet up to the ankles, that sort of thing. Again, it's not really about being physically clean, it's about being clean before God, ritually clean. And clean and unclean is there in the Old Testament. It's worth realising that it's not about sin in the Old Testament. Or rather, clean and unclean is not sin and righteousness. Rather, it's a shadow, a scale model of sin and righteousness. It's designed to show you that you can't avoid sin. You're always going to be unclean at different times. And something needs to be done about that to make you clean again. It's kind of a way that um, a normal Israelite person could go through life experiencing what it's like to be sinful and to be set right without actually having to engage in sin. You get to sort of run a simulation on it, so to speak. So if you're unclean, you can't go to the temple to be in God's presence. You're sort of excluded from God's people for a period of time until your uncleanness is dealt with. And usually to deal with it, you have to do something. You have to wash or take a, uh, take a sacrifice to the temple to be made right. And the Pharisees, they were obsessed with being clean because that's the way that God would want you to be, Right? But see, staying ceremonially clean is hard. You go down to the markets to buy your food and you might brush against a woman who's got her period. Or you might come into contact with a man who's got some kind of skin disease. And with all those Romans around, you might, you might come across someone, you might even touch someone who's been eating pork or oysters. And all of that could happen without you really knowing it. How are you to tell what's happening with other people and what they've been up to? And so then if you touch them, you're unclean. And if you go and eat some food after that, then maybe the uncleanness will get into you. So the Pharisees' solution to this uncleanness, this possible uncleanness, was to do ritual washings. So before that, when they got home from the market or wherever, before they had anything to eat, they would do a ritual washing. And again, this is not about germs. This is about the sort of contamination, spiritual contamination, getting rid of that. They washed their dishes before they ate. 
not because they're doing the dishes or something like that, but to make them spiritually clean. It's all about being clean before God. Clean so that God will be pleased with you. And that brings us to our first problem, that religion makes people arrogant. See, when the Pharisees see Jesus' disciples eating without uh, the ceremonial washing, they're horrified. They say, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Now, this is not a friendly question. This is not, oh, I wonder why they do that. It's like, no, this is a hostile, accusing question. It's disgusting, they think. It's, it's worse than disgusting. It's, it's ungodly. And Jesus calls himself a teacher, but his disciples, they, they don't do the washings before eating. Well, we know what God thinks of those kind of people, don't we? It's important to realise that none of this washing stuff that they're talking about is actually in the Old Testament. This washing before eating business, the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles and hands. It all comes from the oral tradition that the Pharisees passed down. It's what Mark calls in verse 3 the tradition of the elders. So it's not actually in the Bible. It's just kind of made up. That's one of the things we hate about religious people, isn't it? That they just seem to make up arbitrary rules and then they look down their noses at everyone who doesn't keep them. If you think that the rules are pray five times a day, give to the poor, fast during Ramadan, visit Mecca and declare that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet, then you'll look down your nose at everyone who doesn't do that. If you think the rules are read your Bible, pray, go to church, come to Christian Union and live a moral life, then if you are doing those things, then you'll look down your nose at everyone else. Religion sort of operates on the principle of I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. And if you think you're obeying, then you'll be arrogant. You'll despise those who you think aren't obeying the rules. And that's how the Pharisees react to Jesus' disciples. Sort of, thank God that we are better than them. Well, maybe you know people who are like that. People who are like the Pharisees. Maybe if you're honest, you are like that yourself. Well, have a look at how Jesus responds to the Pharisees in verse 6. He says to them, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. If you've grown up with the idea that this is sort of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and that he just kind of goes around in this sort of gentle kind of way, then this is shocking, isn't it? Jesus totally arcs up at the Pharisees. He says, you do a lot of talking, you talk a lot about worshipping God, you've got a lot of rules, but it's got nothing to do with God, you bunch of hypocrites. Do you see what Jesus is saying? 
that God's not impressed by these sort of pious speech and these elaborate rituals or our own idea of worship. God wants people whose hearts are close to him, people who actually genuinely love him. But that's not religion. Religion's not about that. It's all about the show. It might look pious. The rituals might seem hardcore and impressive. The worship might seem intense. But is it actually what God wants? Or is it just a show to make other people think that you're impressive? When your heart is far from God, but you're putting on a show, well, that's pretty much the classic definition of hypocrisy. But that's what religion does. Because all religion is about the show. It's about trying to convince other people and convince yourself that by following these rituals, you'll be right with God. So it creates people who are both arrogant and hypocritical. And people hate it. That's why people hate religious people. They're up themselves and they're hypocrites. You read that in the newspapers almost every day. And they're right. People hate it and so does Jesus. But it gets worse. Uh, Because religion isn't really about loving God. It's about making you look good and feel good about yourself. It just ends up creating rules and traditions that, far from honouring God, they actually oppose him. So have a look there at verse 9 with me. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Now, death sentence for uh, dishonouring your parents might seem a little harsh, uh, and some of you are probably getting slightly nervous. (laughs) But God didn't mandate the death penalty because uh, he wanted people to die. He mandated it so that people wouldn't die. (laughs) They'd hear the severity of the sentence and honour their parents. None of our parents are perfect, and some of them can be pretty awful, actually. But as much as we can, we ought to respect them. It's actually a good law. It's good when children honour their parents. But it can be hard... And it can be inconvenient, especially if it ends up hurting you financially. And mum and dad are getting old. There's lots of hospital bills. You're going to have to pony up for a retirement home soon. Or maybe they've made a bad business deal. They've been ripped off in some dodgy scam. And suddenly you're on the hook to bail them out. And that's really going to put a crimp in your lifestyle. What a pain. Well, fortunately, the Pharisees had come up with a way of dodging this particular problem. Uh, Even more impressive, they'd managed to work out a way of doing it while still looking very, very religious. So have a look at verse 11. You say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. See, what's going on is that the Pharisees have got this kind of scheme going where you can take part of your wealth or your property and you can declare it to be Corban. It's devoted to God. 
doesn't mean you actually have to give it away. No, that would suck. You get to keep it. You just kind of write it into your will. You still get use of it, but no one else is allowed to use it. You kind of give it to the temple, and when you die, it goes to them. But it doesn't go to your parents. (laughs) You get to spend it on yourself, but if they're in need, well, too bad. Sorry, Mum and Dad, can't do it. It's devoted to God. It's a pretty dodgy kind of thing to do. Uh, It makes them look super religious. It's kind of genius in a way, but evil genius. And it runs directly opposite to God's command to honour your father and mother. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, you do many things like that. Worst of all, because religion produces arrogant, hypocritical opponents of God, it thoroughly fails to deal with our problem. So remember that this whole confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees, remember what it's about? The disciples are not washing their hands before eating. They're not doing the ceremonial cleansings so that they could be right before God. But let's look at what Jesus says in verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can make them unclean by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that makes them unclean. The disciples are a bit confused by this, and understandably so. They ask Jesus about it. He elaborates on it in verse 18. He says, are you so dull? Don't you love the way Jesus talks to his disciples? Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, Envy, slander, arrogance and folly, all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Notice that Jesus doesn't say to the Pharisees and the crowd, oh, for goodness sake, there really is no such thing as clean and unclean. Just get over it and move on. No, Jesus actually agrees with the Pharisees that we can be unclean. In fact, Jesus thinks we have a massive problem with uncleanness just not uncleanness that comes from the outside. It's uncleanness that comes from our hearts. Eating food without doing a ceremonial washing, that's neither here or there. That's not going to make you clean or unclean. Eating food without doing the washing doesn't turn you into a liar. You're already a liar, aren't you? Eating bacon won't make you lustful. You're already lustful, aren't you? See, the problem isn't out there somewhere. It's already in you. It comes from inside. The problem is not out there. That's, that's a really nice way to think. The problem's out there, because if the problem's out there, the problem's not me. But it's completely wrong. The problem is me. That's exactly what the problem is. Something has gone badly wrong with us. We are not the wonderful, good-hearted, 
lovely, charming, truthful, parent-honouring, God and neighbour-loving people that we like to think of ourselves as. No, we're actually rotten to the core. Jesus is very clear that there is such a thing as being unclean. Being sinful. But here's the shocking thing. If Jesus is so keen on us not being arrogant, not being disobedient to God and not being hypocritical, how come he's just overturned God's law and come up with his own thing? You may not have noticed it as you read through, but that's exactly what he's doing. Mark points it out for us in verses 18 and 19, where Jesus says, Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Mark says, Jesus declared all foods clean. But the Old Testament declares that not all foods are clean. So the Old Testament is not something that the Pharisees made up. It's God's word itself. Jesus has just been hammering them for being disobedient hypocrites, being arrogant. Isn't this the height of arrogance and disobedience and hypocrisy? To just say on your own authority, I'm just kind of overturning God's law. Don't don't do what he says, do what I say. What's going on with that? It's an extraordinary thing to do. So what is going on? Well, to understand what's going on, we need to understand what's going on with the Old Testament. Some time ago, I read uh, an article in Time magazine about uh, the West Point Military Academy in the US. Uh, It's where the, uh, I think it's the Army trained their, the Army trained their officers. And uh, one of the things the article kept noting was how seriously the West Point staff pay attention to detail. So the cadets had to polish the buttons on their uniforms until they could see their reflection in them. Uh, There was a West Point way of tying your shoelaces, a West Point way of making your bed. The uh, instructors would bounce a quarter off the bed to make sure that it was nice and tight. If you couldn't bounce a quarter off it, then you had to do it again. They'd strip it all down. Cleanliness, attention to detail, all those kind of things. Um, And they just had to keep doing it again and again until they got it right. And the reporter asked one of the colonels, well, what's the obsession with this? Because what has this actually got to do with winning wars? Like, how shiny your buttons are on your dress uniform doesn't make a great deal of difference when you're fighting the Taliban. And the colonel explained that that's right. Those things don't actually matter how shiny your buttons are, whether you can bounce a coin off the bed, it's completely irrelevant. Except that the things they teach do matter. Cleanliness, attention to detail, listening to your commanding officer. Because if the cadets didn't learn to do that, then one day their rifle would jam at the critical moment because they hadn't cleaned it. They'd step on a landmine because they hadn't immediately responded to their commanding officer. And Jesus is showing us that the Old Testament is kind of like West Point. It's not the real thing. It's not the war. It's just kind of the training for it. It's a sort of training thing that God puts in place for Israel. 
So does God really care about whether you eat one particular type of animal or not? Well, no, there's nothing inherently bad about eating pig or eating oysters. He just does it to create this model, this distinction between clean and unclean. And he teaches them that being clean is what really matters. Not when it comes to food, not when it comes to the external stuff. That's all just a picture. It's a shadow, a scale model of the real thing. What matters is the state of our hearts. And Jesus is making the point in this passage that we are all deeply unclean before God. Not in some sort of trivial way that can be set right with a few rituals, but deeply unclean, actually filthy to the core. We're rebellious against God. We're deserving of his wrath and his judgment. And what we need is not a few more religious practices or tips or techniques or something. We actually need total forgiveness and transformation at the level of our hearts. And here's the critical thing. That's exactly what Jesus provides. By his death on the cross, he takes the anger and judgment of God that we deserve so that we can be forgiven. And by his resurrection and ascension to God's right hand, he pours out the Holy Spirit to apply that cleansing to our hearts. God the Spirit washes us in the blood of God the Son so that we can be clean before God the Father. And the mistake that the Pharisees and all religious people make is that they think that ceremonial cleanness or ceremonial uncleanness is sin and that ceremonial cleanness is righteousness. And they build whole systems around it. But actually, Jesus is saying, no, you don't get it. Now that I'm here, training day is over. You've graduated. You're actually out on the battlefield. You're in a war against sin and death. And you're polishing your buttons. You don't get it. You're worried about tying your shoelaces the right way when you should be actually thinking about the real deal. Training day is over. It's no longer about getting the picture of sin into your head. It's actually about having the sin in your heart dealt with. It's no longer a shadow of purity, a ritual washing. It's about actually being washed clean by Jesus. That's what it's all about. The Old, Testament, the Old Testament law about clean and unclean is excellent. It provides a great picture of what it means to be sinful and not. But those things are not actually sin and righteousness. They're just a shadow of it. Now the real deal is here. But notice what being washed by Jesus does. Our first problem with religion was that it makes people arrogant. But what if you realise that you can't defeat your sin? You can't overcome it by just washing your hands when you come back from the marketplace or saying a few Hail Marys or Our Fathers or whatever it might be. 
What if you realise that the only way your sin can be defeated is through Jesus washing you clean? Well, you can hardly be arrogant then, can you? After all, to come to Jesus, you've got to admit that you're stuffed, that you are filthy, that you aren't good enough, that you can't do it yourself, that religious practices just won't get you there. Well, if that's the situation, well, you can hardly look down on other people, can you? All you can do is point to Jesus and say, come and see what that guy did for me. can't be arrogant. But it deals with our second problem with religion too, that religion makes people hypocritical. Because coming to Jesus for cleansing is the end of trying to put on a show. Putting on a show to impress God or impress others. Because it's actually admitting openly before everyone that you've failed. You're rotten. You can't fix yourself. It's admitting to everyone that you're not good enough. And lastly, coming to Jesus for cleansing, well, it actually does solve our problem. It sets us right with God because we're not capable of dealing with sin or our own evil in our own hearts. We are not the solution. We're actually the problem. We need someone greater, someone more pure than us, someone capable of cleansing us to do it for us. We actually need God to forgive us and cleanse us. And by Jesus' death and resurrection, by the pouring out of the Spirit, that's exactly what he does. So Hitchens was kind of wrong. God is good. God is great. But he was right too, actually. Religion does poison everything. He's spot on. But because God is great and God is good, He's provided a way for us to be right with him without the poisonous effects of religion. Instead of us trying to do stuff to impress God, which just leads to arrogance and hypocrisy, opposition to God and total failure to actually achieve anything meaningful, God did it all for us in Jesus. And he does it in such a way that produces humility and transparency, love for God, love for others, and actual forgiveness of our sin. It's a remarkable and extraordinary thing. I don't know how you feel if you feel unclean before God. The things that you may have done, the things that may have been done to you. Jesus is saying no amount of religious ritual will deal with that. But that's not a problem because he's already done it. All you need to do is to turn to him and accept the cleansing that he offers. And that cleansing is powerfully transformative, wonderfully liberating. If you haven't come to Jesus for that, well, I reckon you should. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus, that he rescues us from sin and death, and our futile attempts to do anything about it ourselves. Father, please help us to trust Jesus for our cleansing and to live in the freedom and purity that that brings. In Jesus' name, amen.